Hello, and welcome to the Refs Need Love 2 podcast, a show that gives you a real, raw, and behind-the-scenes view of one of the hardest jobs on the pitch, the referee. I'm your host, David Gerson, a grassroots referee with six years of experience and over a thousand matches under my belt. You can find me at refsneedlove2.com and on TikTok of the same name. All right, I'm back. I've refed a few weekends in a row. The Premier League is back. Overall, it's been positive, but I'm going to look back about uh, VAR, heat, and dealing with the coaches and players. So let's discuss VAR in the Premier League. Overall, I think it's a positive thing. Sincerely, if I was a referee and I knew there were thousands of cameras, you know, considering the people in the stands as well, at least 20 that are around me on the pitch, I would like the benefit of those cameras as well if I miss something. I mean, I miss something every single game. I'm sure I do. There's a player who comes up and goes, did you see him pull me? Uh, Did you see him elbow me in the back? I mean, it happens all the time. And I'm doing my best out there, but I've got one set of eyes and I know my assistant referees, you know, I, in my pregame instruction, I'm asking them to, you know, watch my back, but really, I mean, they're focused on, of course, uh, the second to last defender for offside and, you know, maybe they're catching something that's really egregious, but they're not looking for every little push and pull. And especially if we don't have a comm system out there, they can't help me on that. I know in the Premier League they do have comms and they do have a a fourth official and even an assistant, (laughs) I believe, fourth official if I'm not mistaken, and an assistant video referee and and the video referee. So I think they want all of the angles and they want all of the help that they can get, especially if they're going to be judged by all of those cameras and all of those uh, spectators and commentators who are going to spend hours upon hours dissecting every little angle from every different camera. So I think VAR, bring it. I think we need it. Now, let's also discuss the fact that it's never going to be perfect. And I am really trying to understand exactly when and how VAR is to be used or should be used. Um, you know, what constitutes a clear and obvious error? And we've, we've had a, a number of calls so far in this season that really, you know, push that question or ask that question a little bit. Uh, first off, the McAllister red card in uh, Liverpool. I'm not sure who the opponent was. I Forgive me. I, <laughs> I'm sure my my partner in, in, in this business, uh, Paul, is going to be like, how did you not know that? But yeah, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm not looking at any pictures. Just rolling with it today. But he comes in uh, high with studs exposed. But, you know, really, in terms of challenges, it was pretty light. Yes. Does he make contact high on the person's leg? He does. But does it meet the bar of excessive force and seriously endangering the safety of his opponent uh, compared to some other challenges that we see? And that's the thing. It's like, you know, compared to other challenges, it was pretty light. Like, I recognize that some things were there. We had high studs. But, you know, was it really one of these lunging tackles that we've seen where people completely leave their feet and they go in with reckless abandon? Um, no. No. 
it wasn't. You know, he didn't really leave his feet. You know, two players were going for what I consider to be a 50-50 ball. Um, he definitely seems he's making a play on the ball. He makes some contact with the ball. So um, it's not like one of these things where he's coming in from behind of the player where there's no chance on the ball at all. Seemed like a relatively fair challenge aside from the position of his foot, which was high. And so in that scenario, you know, I'm just wondering, you know, okay, the ref saw and heard high contact um, but you know, would that not, you know, ask for a second review, you know, should VR, VAR, you know, knowing man, this guy's probably not going to like the way this looks afterwards, but it's not a clear and obvious error. Maybe I could have him look at this in real time and maybe he might reconsider. I, I mean, that's the type of thing that I'm, that I'm struggling with. Is it a clear and obvious error that requires uh, the referee to come over and look at it again? Probably not because there were some conditions that were met for serious foul play. But man, when you step back and look at that, I think anyone who watches that video, and by the way, an independent review board did look at that video and overturn the red card, would be like, nah, I don't think that's a red. So I think it's really challenging. Um, there were two more situations. <laughs> Again, another one that there were like three that involved. Um, Liverpool this year, the Tommy Yasu uh, second red card. I know yellow cards are not VR checkable, um, but this is one that on the field, I mean, it has these characteristics where, you know, it looks like it's going to be stopping a promising attack. He sees Tommy Yasu's um, like hand on the player, but when you look at the VAR, I mean, there's no pull. The guy just kind of loses his balance, goes down so easily, and we have a second yet yellow card for stopping a promising attack. You know, should, should we not uh, also have VAR to look at second yellow cards that lead to a red card. I mean, we're going to see a ton of second yellow cards this year with the new laws of the game regarding um, delaying the restart. A lot of yellow cards coming out at this time. And I think we're going to see some very, very controversial second yellow cards that, man, I think the referee would have liked to have a second look at. Now, again, I'm all about, oh, well, we don't want to interrupt the flow of play and, you know, we want the referee to make the right decision, you know, that he feels or she feels on the field. But when there's all of this negative sentiment that's building up through a lack of, of transparency and consistency on these calls, people are just going to get more and more upset at the refs. Uh, the Tim Ream second yellow card. And, and I mean, my gosh, I mean, you talk about light contact, um, really light considering what happens in the premier league and for that to be a second yellow card gosh i just i feel like we're, we have a powerful tool but we're not using it uh correctly uh the onana uh in in the manchester united gig comes out flying like superman <laughs> lands like he's not on top of a player in the penalty area in the 90 plus four and just absolutely crushes a defender and yes the on-field, you know, referee didn't see it, but that's what VAR is there for. Um, I, I've got a real issue with handballs right now. <laughs> the Romero handball, also Manchester United Tottenham game. I mean, arm is up, like extended away from the body, hand above the head, pretty much hits the arm and hand area. How is that not a handball? Again. I don't expect the on-field referee to get it. Things are happening. Everything's fast. We've all been there. But come on. The James Ward-Prowse one last night. I'm just just saying in general, um, we, we've got a serious issue. And it's not just you know these calls that 
I feel could have gone another way. It is this ongoing lack of trust and fidelity of the football loving public, which by the way is like billions of people in our ability as referees to fairly and consistency consistently enforce the laws of the game. Now I know, I know that we're never going to have perfect consistency because the game is not perfectly consistent. That's why we love it. That's why we watch it. It's different every single week. Uh, Every time I'm out on the pitch, I know every situation is different, but man, I just wish we would take a little more time uh, with that tool VAR to really try and make sure we get those decisions right. If it takes too long, well, you know, that I think is the cost of getting the right decision. And I'm willing to wait. Uh, What I would ask is they be transparent with the communication between the referee and the VAR officials, just like they do in rugby, so we can understand what they're looking at. And then also if they decide, nope, it's all good, that they give their reasoning. You know, what are the conditions that were not met to award a red card? What are the conditions that were, were met to not award a red card or whatever it might be or not award a penalty kick. I think we deserve it so that we're not sitting around wondering why it was not given or why it was given. I mean, it is just time for us to build bridges and not walls. And I will say here in the United States with pro, you know, every single week they're putting out a video for every single controversial decision to try and explain uh, one decision from another and why it should have happened or why it didn't happen. And even that's the other thing too. When they get it wrong, they say they got it wrong. <laughs> I mean, I do not see that in England. I really don't. I, you hear these rumors that the PGMOL goes and talks to the the players after the game or the next day, and you know maybe they apologize, maybe they don't apologize, whatever it is. But it just feels very cloak and dagger, and it, it's not helping to build trust. If anything, right now I think trust is eroding. People feel that the best league in the world is the Premier League, but they also feel that the worst league for referees is the Premier League. And I know that's not true. I know those people are trained better than anyone else. They have the highest standards, the most fitness, the most technology. I am sure they are the best of the best. But the lack of transparency is destroying, destroying their credibility. And, and that's just all I want to say about that. I know we're only like four weeks into the season or three weeks into the season, but my gosh, I, uh, it's, it's been challenging. So I recorded that piece of this podcast this morning. It is actually Sunday, September 3rd. And now as I'm in the afternoon now on uh, September the 3rd, I had some other things I was going to say, but there are a couple other plays that have come to light for me that I wanted to address in this pod. Um, first on, I, on Friday night, I believe, was Austin FC and Seattle. And I apologize if it wasn't Friday. I know it was a couple days ago. But there was a goal line, no decision. <laughs> Not a goal line decision. I guess there was a decision because they did wind up uh, awarding a goal. But it deals with VAR. The fact that the MLS does not have goal line technology. Like, are you kidding me? In this day and age... With as many cameras as we have and as much money 
as the MLS has been pulling in over the last five years or so, when we're seeing close to half a billion dollars being paid for a franchise fee. I mean, a franchise fee. I mean, like free money, money coming into the MLS and them not being able to parlay those funds into goal line technology, which I recognize is a couple million dollars uh, per stadium, I'm sure, to be able to have all of the cameras in place and being operated on every single game. And you have to calibrate it for every single game. I recognize there are ongoing costs, but come on. I mean, if you want to be taken seriously in this day and age, you need to have goal line technology. So just to set the scene for you, I mean, this is a a really challenging play for the on-field referee crew. I do not lay any blame for them, and certainly not even the VAR crew, because they didn't have a proper angle that would give them a view straight down the goal line. Um, this is a play where you've got a corner kick, and then about three or four yards out of the goal line, um, a player hits kind of a quick um, header down into the ground, and it bounces up, and the goalkeeper uh, of Seattle kind of scrambles across and palms the ball out. I mean, this is happening in literally fractions of a second, and the um, uh, sorry, the assistant referee is not on the goal line because they're a couple yards off. There wasn't anyone sitting on the post here on defense. They were uh, in line with uh, the attacking players. And so the assistant referee is two or three yards off of the line. So they're not on the goal line to be able to see if this is clearly a goal. And this ball looks like it went in, but I'm talking about inches. And it happens in hundredths of a second. Like it's so easy when we see these view that views that are posted um, after the fact. And Austin FC did make some footage available that supposedly was not available to the uh, the VAR at the time of the incident. What I'm assuming is that they've agreed on that there are certain camera angles that are available to every field. Like every time there's a game, I assume that there's certain camera angles that they have to have for the VAR officials. The VAR is actually not at the stadium when these things are happening. They are at a location. Actually, there's a warehouse. They call it the VAR house in Atlanta. That's right. All of the VARs fly into Atlanta for every match, and they sit in this warehouse away from the field. So they're not working with the local authorities at the stadium to say, hey, I've got another angle. They just have whatever feeds they're getting. And you could see, I posted a TikTok on this today, the feeds that they had available to look at. There's not a single one of them that is conclusive that it is a goal or is not a goal. So essentially, they just have to go with what they got. And what they had did not show that it was conclusively a goal scored. So no goal and play on. And obviously, Austin is upset. They wound up losing this game 2-1, to one, I think on like a 90, 90th minute winner. And you know that things are different. You can say, oh, they would have tied. No, no, no. When you score a goal, it changes the game. It definitely does. There's no doubt about it that if they scored that goal, it will change the outcome of the match. Whether they would have won or drawn or lost, I don't know, but it changes the game. And in this day and age for MLS not to have VAR, I'm sorry, not to have goal line technology like the Hawkeye at this stage is laughable, laughable. And it makes the referees look awful. They're not the ones that fall here, guys. We have the tools, okay? They're in place in all the top leagues in the world. Uh, let's get proper goal line technology working in the MLS. So number one, the referees aren't looking like the scapegoat here when it's actually the league who's being uh, too cheap and not willing to invest. 
Okay, so that's the first thing I want to say that happened or I became aware of today. The other thing I wanted to add into this uh, podcast this week was the Manchester City no uh, a goal given. I'm sorry, the Manchester City goal given their second goal where there was a player in an offside position literally standing about, I don't know, two and a half, maybe three yards in front of the uh, goalie. And the ball is headed by Ake and it, Akanji is in an offside position. And literally the ball goes towards Akanji. And rather than just standing still because the ball would have hit him, he lifts his leg up and the ball goes just fractionally right underneath his leg into the bottom corner of the goal. So <laughs> we're going to take a quick break for words from our sponsor. It's better than an in-game water break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. What? How is that not offside? I mean, he's clearly in an offside position. So let's look at the, the laws of the game as it relates to interfering with opponent. There are four things. So you can be preventing an opponent from playing or being able to play the ball by extracting the opponent's line of vision. So I think this is somewhat... Um, up for interpretation on this goal, was he in line of their vision? Because he was off to the right side a little bit from the goalkeeper. So he's not directly in line. He's not blocking the view. But man, he is definitely affecting his view. But that's not the law. It says obstructing the opponent's line of vision. Um, he's not challenging the opponent for the ball. So that's number two. Um, clearly attempting to play the ball, which is close when this action impacts an opponent. Uh, I would say definitely that movement is clearly attempting to play the ball. Now, you could say he's moving out of the way of the ball, but that action is definitely affecting the goalkeeper because they are frozen because they're thinking this guy is about to deflect this ball and, and, and maybe put it back across goal. That is an issue. And then the last one is making an obvious action, which clearly impacts on the ability of the opponent to play the ball. How is this not an obvious action which clearly impacts their ability to play the ball, which the opponent is the goalkeeper? I don't get it. And we saw this last year in the Manchester United-Manchester City Derby where there was a through ball and Rashford runs onto the ball and he's by himself and he's literally running next to the ball, which you know everyone knew he, or assumed he was offside, so they're like, oh, whatever, no big deal. But he's doing this, and it looks like he's going to play it, and it kind of freezes the goalkeeper, and the defenders don't make an action. All of a sudden, then uh, Bruno Fernandez, you know, runs literally within a yard of Rashford and strikes the ball and scored. And and again, after that game, the PGMOL was like, yes, it stands, but you know, it's definitely not in the spirit of the law. Um, I don't think that's the right interpretation. You know, in the future, we'll call that as offside. I mean, that's what they said. And then you have this. <laughs> earlier today. And I'm like, something has got to change. I mean, we keep seeing this come up and this law seems to be um, applied in the most subjective of ways. It's never called on the field. And I totally get that 
because the assistant referee, like they don't know from their angle, are they interfering? Are they in the line of sight? I mean, they're again, they're focused on that second to last defender in the offside line. So they know they're offside, but does it meet those other characteristics? And then the official, uh, it's usually very hard for them to see. There's a lot of things that are going on. And there's usually players in between the center official and um, the person in the offside position and the goalkeeper. Are they perfectly in line with that to see? Is it obstructing their view? So it always seems to be something that falls to VAR to decide. But the decisions I've seen on this one are so wildly enforced. And that is one of the things that fans, spectators, non-referees get so frustrated about is inconsistency. And again, I think this whole podcast is talking about we want clarity, we want transparency, we want openness. We want to be able to leave the field and even if we don't like a decision to understand a decision. You know, we we've we've we're watching this match, we want to understand from the officials, the authorities who are interpreting the laws why do they feel this way? And what winds up happening over and over and over again is we look at the laws, we look at the play, and we're just like, what happened here? How did they get to that conclusion that that is a goal? Or how did they get to the conclusion that that is not a goal? We deserve better in the year 2023. With the amount of transparency that we have with video communications and audio communications and all of the angles that we have and all the tech we have, we're just asking for a little more transparency, openness, and honesty as it relates to decisions made in the professional game. I mean, I got to tell you, when I'm at a grassroots level and there's something that's really confusing and no one understands what's happening... I go inform the coaches, hey guys, here's what I saw happen, here's the call I made, and then there's clarity, and the parents could ask afterwards. Sometimes I'll even explain to the parents why I made a call. Like, you know, I'll just say out loud, hey guys, here's what I saw, it was a pull right here, it was a slide, there's, you know, this contact at this location, all those type of things. I provide transparency, even at a grassroots level, can we get some transparency at a professional level? That's what I'm asking for. All right. Last thing I want to discuss here, I got an email from someone this week. Um, I had done a video and uh, on TikTok, and I think I've talked about this previously, about grassroots referee jerseys here in the United States, that I think it's ridiculous that we need to buy five of them. And I made a comment in that about pink jerseys, about, you know, I think it's ridiculous to expect that people are going to go out and purchase a sixth jersey, the pink jersey. I think they look beautiful. Yeah, I understand they support breast cancer awareness. I'm doubtful how much money of that pink jersey actually makes it to breast cancer awareness research. You know, maybe it's a small fraction of the cost of that jersey on official sports makes it to breast cancer research. And I'm sure any amount helps. But it's not that I don't like the jersey. It's that most of the officials I work with, and I work with a lot of young assistant referees in my area on the touch lines, um, they don't even have all five of the regular color jerseys. For me to sit around and be like, hey, do you have pink? Why don't you have pink? You know, and ask them, you know, by nature of my asking, encouraging them to go out and get a sixth jersey that they're almost never going to use is ridiculous. 
I want them to come out to that pitch as a, a new assistant referee or any referee and be able to, you know, make some money, you know, have fun out there, not have to carry around six different jerseys in their bag, you know, and wonder which one they're going to wear that day. And then they're working two different, you know, matches or two different days over the weekend. They got to do that laundry at night, which I know I wind up doing whatnot. You know, then there's the short sleeve and the long sleeve, or they're going to go out and get long sleeve too, because I know that there are assessors out there who want everyone of someone's wearing long sleeve, they want everyone wearing long sleeve. It is stupid and ridiculous. And so if I was going to say, hey, I like the pink jersey and I encourage people to get it, I'd be a hypocrite because I think it is freaking stupid that we have to have so many jerseys. There's no reason for it. Oh, and by the way, when is U.S. soccer going to change the jerseys and say, hey, now everyone needs to go out and buy new jerseys of this new style like they just did for uh, Nassoa this year for the college uh, officials. And they have three new colors that they got to go out and get those three new colors. That could happen any single day with our U.S. soccer, U.S. soccer grassroots officials jerseys. I just think it's absurd. We could do this better. We could keep costs down for referees, which would in turn keep costs down for uh, the players and their families. When 61% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, I think we should be a little bit more sensitive to the costs of being a referee. That's, that's all I'm going to say on that. I don't hate on the pink jersey. I'm sorry if people think I'm hating on the pink jersey. I love the pink jersey. Quite honestly, for me and my family, we like giving money to people who are struggling with medical bills. I think medical bills are the number one uh, source of bankruptcies in our country. It's something like you know, 40 or 50% have something to do with medical debt in the United States of America. A cancer diagnosis is essentially like a bankruptcy di- diagnosis for many families. So we try and donate money and goods and food to people that we know are struggling with uh, serious illnesses and, and cancer. Um, we know that goes a long way. We also donate to you know American Cancer Society and other uh, cancer uh, research and fundraisers. So it's not that we don't donate. We do believe in donating. I just think the pink jersey, um, you know, is a nice to have, not necessary, and it's superfluous. And I think it's a bit ridiculous. We can do better for jerseys for referees here. That's all I'm going to say about that. Well, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed today's pod. You know, I love being a ref. I love the professional refs out there. I have so much respect for them. Oh my gosh, so much respect. I think they are outrageously well-trained and well-qualified to be doing what they're doing. I just think the policies around VAR and the lack of transparency does them a disservice. I think they're fantastic people, and I think they could explain their calls, and I think we'd have a lot more love and appreciation for the officials and the referees if we could hear the behind the scenes of what they're dealing with and what they're seeing. Um, I just think it would really change perspectives. It would not solve all problems, certainly not. I'm not unrealistic. I don't think everyone is going to love refs to, um, but I do. I want them to know that. I want to create an environment where they are loved and supported. Uh, guys, if you enjoyed today's pod, please do me a fra- favor and check out refsleadlove2.com or my TikTok shop and purchase some merch. It helps cover the costs of doing all this, the microphone I'm speaking into, the computer I'm on, the podcasting I'm service I'm using to post these podcasts. All of that stuff costs money. Uh, my website, you know, the, the, the URL, all that kind of stuff costs money. So please help support the show. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And I hope your next match is red card free.